Good morning. I like it. It's good to have you guys back. Thank you. It's good to be back. What do you think about the new chapel? So it was a little bit of a tight fit. We got our certificate of occupancy on Thursday before we used it on Friday. So if you would join me in expressing appreciation to all of those who worked so hard to make it happen. All right, we need to welcome a few new people who have joined us. So if you are a new freshman or if you're a transfer student and this is your first time on campus, would you stand up and let us welcome you to Cedarville University? All right, if you are a sophomore and you have come back, and so now you're, you know exactly what's going on. You've got this thing down. You are ready to roll. If you are a sophomore, would you stand up and let us welcome you back to campus? All right, if you are a junior, and you are back on campus, would you stand up and let us welcome you back to campus? All right, it's good to have you all here. Did I forget anybody? If you go down to the lower SSC, you will see a big photo on the wall. I'm in that photo. Because this is my senior year, as well as many of you. And so if you are a senior, would you stand up and let us welcome you back? And and that includes fifth-year seniors and sixth-year seniors. Okay, you get the point. We are thrilled to have you all back. You know what we're thrilled to have back as well? Our faculty and staff who work so hard on this campus. So if you are faculty and staff, would you stand up? Stand up. Express your appreciation to everybody who makes this place happen. All right, so you know what I think is the surprising thing? is about half of that new back section back there was faculty and staff. So I guess... We know who's filling that section in first. All right. It's been a busy summer. We're in a new chapel. We will have an official dedication for this chapel during homecoming. And so we'll do some things then a little more. But I kind of feel like we we have to start off the new chapel and the first chapel that we're having in, in here in the right way. And the right way, I think, is to go to the Lord in prayer and thank God for it. And so would you join me just for a moment as we just stop and pause to thank God for what he's given us here? And as we dedicate it to him and to his service. O Lord, God of all, there is no God like you in heaven above or on earth beneath who shows steadfast love to your servants who walk with you with all their heart. You are a God that is perfect, a God that is holy, a God that is righteous. 
The Bible declares, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And Lord, when we look at ourselves, we wonder how can we commune with such a holy God? How can man seek to come before such a God? And Lord, we know it is only by union with Christ, our sins covered by the blood of Christ, that we can come before you clothed in Christ's righteousness. Lord, we have set aside this room to worship you. We dedicate its use to you for your purposes. Lord, may you find our efforts pleasing in your sight. In this room, may your spirit work and move in the hearts of men and women as we sing praises to your name and to your name alone as the one true God. In this room, may your spirit convict us of our sins, draw the lost to salvation, heal broken hearts, mend the wounded, encourage the discouraged, grant hope to the hopeless, grant peace to the torn. May you be glorified. Lord, we acknowledge our sin before you. Forgive us. We ask for your hand to help those who are hurting. We ask that you would hear our prayers from heaven and grant us your favor. We ask that you would grant us wisdom from above. Lord, be with us as we gather together in this room to hear your word preached, to sing praises to you. Lord, revive us. Incline our hearts to you so that we may walk in your ways and keep your commandments. And Lord, use us that all the people of the earth may know that the Lord is God, there is no other. For it's in the matchless name of Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. I do pray that this is the room that sees revival break out in a way that we can't explain, can't imagine, or can't describe. Is that your prayer as well? Let's pray for it. Let's seek it. Let's pursue it. Guess what else we have on campus? We have new ventilators in Chuck's to try to get rid of Chuck's smell. Now, it it is a cafeteria, so it will always smell something like a cafeteria. It's not going to smell like roses when you walk in. That'd be a little weird anyway. You'd wonder what we were putting in the food. But This should help with it. And so we have made several changes to, we've heard you, we've listened, we want to make things better, we're seeking to improve, and so we'll see how it goes. Uh, We'll see what happens. We'll see how much it lowers the smell. We also have some new developments that will be happening on campus I want to show you about, because you're going to wonder what's happening. Some of you live pretty close to it. And so we have a new dormitory that's going to be going up. This is what it's going to look like. This new dormitory is going to have 64 new beds, four units. Uh, 16 beds in each of those with a bathroom, a study room, and two center hallway lounges, and with the largest rooms on campus at 209 square feet per room. That's right, a whole 209 square feet per room. It's going to be placed over in between, you can see the site plan here, it's going to be placed over near the townhouses in between Murphy, Rickard, and West. And so you'll see where it is. Yes, I did not forget to mention West that time. So shout out to all you West guys. We can put three there. We're going to put one to start with because this next summer, we're going to be tearing down Faith Hall. Now, be careful how you tweet that out because Cedarville is not getting rid of Faith. Cedarville is just raising the 1958 dormitories that were moved in so that we can build a new dormitory that's going to be a better dormitory on this side of campus. So when you see that, you'll know what's happened. 
Uh, this summer's been a busy summer for all of us. There's the actual floor plan, by the way. I just didn't mention it. But you can see there, it's got a little study lounge in each of the, the various sections and nice open area. It's built this way for spiritual growth and spiritual development and community too. So that way you can develop good friendships that will encourage you to grow in, in Christ. And so we're looking forward to that. It's been busy. You guys have been all over the place. Our faculty and staff have been all over the place. And I've been all over the place with my family. We left Sunday after graduation and went to Word of Life to teach for a week. Yeah. Awesome opportunity experience. In fact, Don Locke's here somewhere, president of Word of Life International here somewhere. Uh, His sons are here as students at Cedarville. We left after we taught class on Friday. I got out of class at Friday at like 12 o'clock, 1.30. We were in the car to drive 21 straight hours to Florida. Yeah, so to make it easier on my five-year-old son, I set up the Xbox in the back so he could play video games the whole way down and bought the new Avengers video game, Lego Avengers video game. And so, yes, I have played it with him. I did go back and we rebeat it together, but that's another story for another time. So we spent time at Disney. We spent time at Universal. I flew to Canada to go on a bear hunt for a week. Uh, If you want to increase your prayer life, go out and sit in the woods with the middle of a bunch of bears and... You'll be praying, Lord, if you want to take me home, this is a good time. But if not, then, you know, I went to St. Louis, went to Indianapolis, and then I had this great trip down the Colorado River of the Grand Canyon rafting with John Whitmore and 25 or so other Christian leaders from across the country. It was pretty awesome. We were going in these rapids that were some of the wildest rapids anywhere in the country. And, And you know me, I like to sit at the front of the boat when stuff like that's happening. And to be right on the edge of life and death itself, I don't know why, that's just the way God wired me. And so I actually took a video of going through Lava Rapids, which is the highest rated rapid anywhere in North America, and I squealed like a little girl while we were going through it. You guys want to see the video? Yeah. All right, we've got it for you. Let's watch the video. Coming up on Lava Falls, this is the fastest white water in North America. You'll hear more about that trip all throughout the year. Uh, That was a great trip. I want to let you know about a few events that are going to happen on campus as well this coming year so that you can mark your calendar. I want you to make sure that you plan to attend these events. One of them is the Creation Conference. Now, a biblical worldview begins with what? In the beginning, God. If you don't have that part down, you're in trouble. Even your doctrine of human sexuality begins with God created them. In the image of God, God created them. In male and female, God created them. And so you want to come and make sure you participate in this conference. Ken Ham will be here. He'll be speaking like three times on campus that first day. John Whitmore will be speaking in chapel the second day. He's going to talk to you about geological formations and how that uh, talks about the, the flood, perhaps, and how that proves creation and a global flood. And so I want you to come to that and take advantage of it. In fact, I want you to go ahead and make plans to try to attend every single session. If you can at all possibly do it, be at every single session. We partner with Answers in Genesis. This will be good for you to come and have this content. So mark your calendar, September 15, 16. A few other dates just to let you be aware of as well. October 10 and 11, we'll have our HLC visit. What does HLC stand for? Higher Learning Commission. They are the people that accredit the university. And so you want to have a degree that's accredited, so you'll want to make sure and be aware of that that's happening on campus. I'll tell you a little more details about that as we get closer to time, 
But just know that in chapel from time to time, I am going to have to talk to you about the Higher Learning Commission's visit and need to make you aware of a few things. And so bear with us as we do that. It's for your good. It's for your benefit that we pass and sell through the accreditation visit this fall. And then you'll see it there, 9 March Conference, November 9th and 10th as well. And so towards that end, one of the things I want to, want to show you is the new vision statement that we adopted in May. Let me just read it to you. Cedarville University will be an exemplary Christian institution. We chose exemplary on purpose because we don't want to be prideful or arrogant and say we're the absolute best, even though we might think on some days we are the absolute best. We want to say that we are one of the exemplary Christian institutions known for our commitment to academic excellence. It's hard when you go through classes here at Cedarville. It's much easier to go to school somewhere else, but you're not going to get nearly as equipped for what you want to do for God's glory if you go to a school that just wants to give you a degree. And so we want to be academically challenging because we want you to excel at what God has given you to do in life. We want to be an academic excellent institution, but we also want to make sure we are in submission to biblical authority. We believe the Bible is God's word, it's infallible, it's inerrant, it's sufficient, and that affects everything we do in every discipline across every area, and that's what you can expect, as you know. And we want to have a passion for the Great Commission. I want Cedarville University to be the most evangelistic university anywhere in the world, period. I want us to be so evangelistic that I get letters of people telling us, would you please stop telling your students to share the gospel with us? We are tired of your students constantly wanting to know about our eternal destinies, where we're going to spend forever, and loving on us in that way. I'd love to get some letters like that. So let's go out and be that radical for Jesus Christ. And intentional discipleship. Now that means all of you too. If you're an RD, if you're an RA, if you are a student who is a little farther along in your walk than somebody else, you should be discipling somebody else and pouring into his or her life, no matter if you are a freshman who just landed on campus or if you are a sixth-year senior who loves it so much you don't want to go anywhere else. Disciple somebody. Get involved in the lives of others. We want to have intentional discipleship that transforms lives for godly service because you serve before you lead. And so we want to have godly service that leads to leadership. And we want to have vocational distinction. Every discipline, we want to do it better than anywhere else in the world with academic excellence so that you go out and you are going to be the best nurses, the best pharmacists, the best lawyers, the best history teachers, the best English teachers, the best communication majors. We want you in whatever discipline you have to be the absolute best so that the world looks and gives you a platform for the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we do it with excellence vocational distinction. And that ends in cultural engagement. And by cultural engagement, I don't just mean engaging the culture with a biblical worldview. I mean creating culture. I mean those of you who can paint and create art, those of you in theater who can impact drama, those of you who can write books, those of you who can create music, those of you who create culture so that it is a God-glorifying culture that you are helping to create so that we are impacting the culture through what we create and generate as well as confronting a secular worldview with a biblical worldview. That's what we want. Our mission statement, Cedarville University is a Christ-centered learning community equipping students for lifelong leadership and service through an education marked by excellence and grounded in biblical truth. You see several common factors in this. You see that we're going to stand for the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. You see that everywhere that is intentional. We are a Christ-centered learning community. We are grounded in biblical truth. We believe in submission to biblical authority in every area of the campus. 
That means how we do intramurals. That means how we work out. That means how we communicate with others in dorm rooms. That means how we do discipleship groups. That means how we get involved in every area of the campus. We do it understanding we are representing Christ, the word of God, and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Academic excellence. You see the excellence in both. We have academically excellent faculty members who are credentialed, who are difficult, but who love you and want to help you grow and learn and mature, not only in your faith, but also in your academic excellence. We have a liberal arts course so that you will be taught to think well, to communicate well, to write well. We have a Bible minor so that you will be grounded in your faith so that you can go out and serve God in whatever vocation he has called you to. You are not going to serve God just as a pastor or a missionary. You are going to serve God no matter what he has called you to do, going to the ends of the earth. That's what we want. That's what we desire. We produce students for godly service. We produce students for lifelong leadership and service. We want to make sure that you use your 1,000 days on campus well. Now, some of you don't have 1,000 days anymore. Some of you are down to 200 and something. But here's what I want you to do. However many of your thousand days you have left, lock in and focus. As I've told our faculty and staff, be strategic and intentional to make sure you're using every day on this campus so that you will grow closer to God, so that you will grow more firm in your faith, so that God will unleash you onto the world to make a difference for him. Get involved in his story and don't try to create your own story. Life is a stewardship. It's not an ownership. Be a good steward of the time he's given you here on this campus. That's my challenge to you. I want to ask you to do something that's beyond you. I want to ask you to commit to do something that's hard. I want to ask you to commit to love God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. To love others as yourself. To live with integrity before God in all of your actions and to pursue excellence in everything that you put your hand to. Can you do that? Only by the power of the Holy Spirit living within you. Is that a difficult task? Absolutely. Is it a worthwhile effort? Absolutely. We are here, and we ended last year by saying, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Are you with me? and not being ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Let's give a shout out to the Lord for his great and glorious gospel. If you're here and you don't know Jesus, let me set it up this way. I did this with the new students. We had about 900 students and transfers show up new to campus this fall. What percentage of 900 showing up new to campus? You, you, you are students. You live with students. You know students. What percentage of 900 showing up new to campus would you guess do not have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? 
What percentage? 10%. What was that one? 30%. Who else has a guess? 50%. 15. Okay, 15 is better than 50. I'm like, woo, we got a lot of work to do if it's 50%. You know, when I talk to people, I usually say maybe 5%. Maybe I think better of you guys than some of you guys think of yourself. I don't know, but... 5%. If 5% of 800 students showing up this fall don't have a personal relationship with Christ, that means there's 40 in the room right now. What I want to say to you is if you look around and you think we're weird, number one, we are weird, that's true, but we're weird for the gospel of Jesus Christ and we're called to be. We're called to be misfits in this world. We are called to be pilgrims passing through this world, living for eternity. We love this world, but we don't fit in with this world and what this world thinks and we're not ashamed of that. The gospel is what matters most. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Genesis 1.1. He made the heavens, the earth, and all that is within them. He said then, let us make man in our image after our likeness. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Genesis 1.26-27. God placed man in the garden from a rib. God made the first woman, and all the guys say Amen. Bone of his bone, flesh of his flesh. And God ordained the institution of marriage where a man would leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife and they would become one flesh and it was very good. But Adam and Eve sinned. Eating of the fruit of the forbidden tree of knowledge of good and evil. Sin brought death. Consequences. A curse. God in his grace kicked Adam and Eve out of the garden, lest they would reach out their hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Sin entered the world. Cain killed Abel. Mankind rebelled. Death reigned. We all have that same problem of sin and death. The Lord saw the wickedness of man was great on the earth and that every intention of his heart was evil continually. Mankind grieved the creator. The Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created. Oh, but Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Throughout the Old Testament, God chose a people. He promised a coming savior in many ways. He foreshadowed and he foretold of the savior to come. With Abraham and Isaac, he provided a ram caught by its horns in the thicket unblemished. With Moses and the children of Israel, he provided a Passover lamb. With Boaz and Ruth, he provided the kinsman redeemer. With Hosea, he provided the redeemer of Gomer. Yet throughout the Old Testament, yearly sacrifices continued because they were insufficient. They pointed people to a day where the ultimate sacrifice, the ultimate kinsman redeemer, the ultimate lamb of the world would come. And then an angel visited Mary. Do not be afraid, Mary. For you have found favor with God, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Mary and her husband Joseph arrived in Bethlehem for a census, and there she gave birth to the creator of the universe, and she laid him in a manger. She looked into the very face of God in a nearby field, angels proclaimed to the shepherds, Fear not, 
For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you this day in the city of David is born a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Philippians says, Christ, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. He grew. He was hungry. He was tired. Eventually, he was baptized as an example for us. He lived a sinless life. He went through the temptations in the wilderness. He performed many miracles. He healed the sick, the blind, the lame. He taught in parables as one with authority. Many did not understand. They wanted a kingdom on this earth. They wanted a political ruler who would bring in a new kingdom. They wanted a revolution, not for eternity, but for the present. And when the time came, even one of his own disciples betrayed him, Judas, with a kiss. They stripped him. They put a scarlet robe on him. They twisted a crown of thorns and shoved it on his head. They put a reed in his hand. They bowed down before him and they mocked him, the creator of the universe, the one who created us. They mocked him. They spit upon him. They struck him. They led him away to crucify him. They nailed him to a cross. And there he hung for my sin and for your sin And he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And it says he breathed his last and yielded up his spirit and said, it is finished. And that veil that separated us from God was torn, not from the bottom to the top, but from the top to the bottom. And the earth shook, and the rocks were split, and the tombs were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised, and coming out of the tombs after his resurrection went into the holy city and appeared to many. And when the centurion and those who were with him keeping watch over Jesus saw the earthquake and what took place, they were filled with awe, and they said, truly, this was the Son of God. Death has come. Has the devil won? He was buried. His disciples were hiding. His followers were mourning. The Roman soldiers were guarding. But Sunday was coming. The guards couldn't stop him. The tomb couldn't hold him. The grave couldn't keep him. The devil couldn't contain him. Nothing then, nothing now, nothing forever to come could prevent King Jesus because up from the grave he arose with a mighty triumph or his foes. He arose a victor from that dark domain and he lives forever with his saints to reign. He arose. He arose. Hallelujah. Christ arose. As Paul says in Philippians 2, And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. And therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed upon him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee would bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tribe confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus gave us his final marching orders. We call it the Great Commission. 
Go therefore and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. In Acts, we see the beginning of the church. The Holy Spirit came. The Holy Spirit began to dwell inside of us. The gospel began to go forth with power. Peter preached. And when Peter preached, it says their hearts were torn within them. They were cut to the heart. And they responded with a question. It may be a question that some of you have. They said, what shall we do? Repent. And be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Repent and believe. Turn from your wicked ways, repent. Call upon the name of Jesus, believe, and you will be saved. Have you done that? Have you believed in the biblical story? of God's creation, of our fall, of His great redemption to bring about our salvation and reconciliation to the God that we have rejected and rebelled against? Have you turned and repented from your sin? Have you called upon the name of Jesus? Is your allegiance with the kingdom of Adam and rebellion or is your allegiance with the kingdom of the second Adam, Jesus Christ? Have you humbled yourself at the foot of the cross and asked for mercy and grace? This same Jesus who was taken up from us will return one day in like manner. He is coming the next time to judge us. He is coming because there is an eternal heaven, there is an eternal hell. Our eternal destinies stand in the balance. And I stand here before you today and say, I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. What better way to start chapel? What better way to start this year than to make sure you're in a right relationship with Jesus Christ? If you will, just for a moment, bow your heads and close your eyes. I want you to examine your own heart. Do you know for sure that there's been a moment that you have repented of your sins that you have turned from your wicked ways, that you have said in your life and inside of you that I am not going to live for myself, but I'm going to live for Jesus and Jesus alone. Have you believed in what Jesus accomplished on the cross? Are you at that point or are you still on the fence? Are you still sitting at arm's length from Jesus? Are you still at odds with your creator? Today can be the day of salvation. What must I do? If you want to be saved, I want you to repeat after me in these words that I pray. I want you to understand it's not a prayer that saves you, though. It's a heart understanding that you are repenting and putting your faith in Jesus Christ. This is the prayer. Jesus... I confess that I am a sinner. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins and rose from the grave. Will you this day forgive me? For I confess that you are Lord.
And with every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody looking around, I'm just curious if there's anybody in this room that would say to me, today is the day that I prayed to receive Christ. Would you just raise your hand? Anywhere across the auditorium today, would you just raise your hand? Thank you in the middle. I see that hand. Anywhere else, would you just raise your hand? Today is the day that I prayed to receive Christ. Perhaps you're here today and you're struggling with a sin issue. You know that you have a sin issue that is holding you back. It is causing you to stumble. It's keeping you from running hard and fast after God. I'm going to challenge you today to repent of that sin issue and to give the Lord your all. Just to say, God, here's my blank check. We're going to sing here in a few minutes, but before we do, I have one other illustration I want to tell you. Look up here at me, if you will. There is a story that's told. It's the Irish writer Frank O'Connor. He tells the story of his own boyhood, and he says that he and his friends, when they were out exploring, they would come to a wall, and when they came to a wall that was really high, a wall they didn't think they could get over, that the way they would get over is they would take their hats and they would throw their hats over the wall so that they had no option to give up. They had to get over the wall in order to get their hats. So here's what I'm asking you today. Will you, in that style, look at whatever sin issue it may be in front of you, Look at whatever faith issue it may be in front of you. Look at whatever challenge it may be in front of you, academic, spiritual, personal, relationship, otherwise. Will you look at that wall that you think is impossible? Will you look at that wall that you think is too high? And will you take your hat and will you throw your hat over the wall so that you have to follow? We serve an incredible God. If you would commit to say, I'm all in. I'll throw my hat over the wall. I'll move forward. I'll do whatever you want me to do, God. Here's my blank check. If you would commit to do that, I want you just to stand right now. And then I'm going to lead us in a prayer, and then we're going to sing our way out of here. We're going to sing two more songs. If you put your blank check down and you say, I'm throwing my hat over the wall, stand right now. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, you've got our blank check. Tear down the idols of our heart. Tear out the sin that has enslaved us. Deal with us in ways that you need to deal with us, Lord, for your honor, for your glory, so that we may pursue you with all that we are. Lord, grant us faith to step out and boldly pursue you as we stand for the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ.